couple of announcements for you this morning. Um, my mic on would help. On uh, June 5th, we have uh, a potluck following the worship service, trying to get back into some of our normal after-COVID routines, and uh, so looking forward to that. And uh, we also uh, have daily breads out there for June, July, and August, and they're on the table in the foyer, and, or on the counter in the foyer, and on the table on the other side of the wall there. And so help yourself to those, and if you have someone that you would like to take one to, feel free. We have plenty. And uh, so it's nice to be able to share those if you have someone that would enjoy having one. Um, in our prayer needs this morning, several uh, prayers uh, this morning. Lee Pollard, uh, she's at uh, uh, Granada uh, Rehab Center in uh, Eureka. And uh, she's going to be there for a while. And so... Uh, She can have visitors. I think she's in room 113. And uh, so, like I said, she can have visitors and also uh, lacks a phone call or or, uh, a card, you know, anything like that, just to let her know that uh, she's got friends out there supporting her. Uh, She appreciates and thanks you so much for your prayers. She's been through... uh, Physical therapy, actually taking her down to the gym center for some of her physical therapy. Uh, uh, again, nothing strenuous, but uh, she's, I can see improvement. So uh, just uh, keep her in prayer there. Uh, Kay Morris uh, wants to thank you all for praying for her. Her eyes, I think I shared with you already, are 100% without glasses. Uh, so she's going to be able to drive again, but she has some other hoops that she still has to go through before that's uh, uh, official. So she's uh, asking us to keep her in prayer that she can get through those uh, things that she needs to get through so she can get to driving again and be in church again, and she's looking forward to that. Um, Ted's home, so uh, that's a prayer. Uh, thank you in prayer. Uh, and so uh, we're welcome home, Ted. And uh, also just to keep the, what's going on in Ukraine uh, in prayer. And uh, also uh, we've had now a few uh, gun shootings, uh, what they put in the category of mass shootings with deaths and injuries. And so we just want to continue to pray over our nation that uh, we will, you know, Somehow get this figured out uh, and uh, get this uh, taken care of and that it would cease. Um, so, and then my wife, Kathy, she's got uh, allergies and so I, she's having a problem with that this morning. So I ask that you keep her in prayer as well. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you to say first again, thank you. You tell us that we can approach Your throne with a confidence, with a boldness to ask for Your mercy and Your grace. And we come asking for Your mercy and Your grace on these prayer needs that we've mentioned this morning. For Lee, for Kay, for Kathy. That You would touch their bodies and make them whole and, and, and heal them and, and uh, bring strength and, and all that they need, Lord, that You would bring to them. 
Thank you for Ted getting home safely and Janet getting home safely. We we give you the praise and uh, Lord, we we continue to pray for uh, our nation as uh, we seem to be uh, under attack in a sense uh, with these shootings that have been going on, and we just ask Lord that you would intervene and and cause uh, people to come to their senses and and find a different way to solve their their dilemmas and their problems and and uh, we just ask Lord for your intervention when someone uh, is prepared to use a gun that you would intervene somehow and 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 bring a different way of of solving the problem Lord and Father uh, we just uh, ask that you would uh, be with Ukraine in that situation there as it continues to uh, just uh, so many tragedies and, 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 and situations. We pray, Lord, that there would be a, a breakthrough, a, a way of, of gaining uh, a, a peaceful solution and uh, the exit of the uh, Russian armies and, and, and a restoration of, of Ukraine's authority and, and throughout its land. And Father, as we open Your Word this morning, we ask, Lord, that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive through Your Holy Spirit that You would bring understanding. And I know, Lord, that as we go through Your Word, each of us come with different needs. And the same Word preached can meet all those different needs through Your Holy Spirit. And so we come to You and ask that You would minister to us. Use me, Lord, to to bring understanding and clarity and again, that Your Holy Spirit would just fill us all as we share in Your Word together. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are continuing this morning in Romans chapter 12 uh, as we go through uh, the marks of a uh, true Christian. Uh, verses 9 through 21 are the key verses that we've been looking at. And uh, just a... a way of introduction, what we're talking about here is, is these marks of a true Christian are the, are the result of God making a transformation in us, in a renewing of our minds. As it says in the beginning of, of, of the book of uh, chapter 12 of Romans, uh, there, we're bringing a spiritual worship before our, our Lord. Uh, we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And, and again, not to be conformed to the ways of the world, but to be conformed or actually transformed. Uh, the word transformed there is metamorphous. Uh, basically, it's the idea of being fully changed uh, and, and re- renewed in our minds that, as to changing the way we think, literally changing the way we think so that we begin to think in a biblical format with a, a biblical outlook uh, some would say that we would develop a biblical world view. And uh, so in a time where there's so many people vying for our attention in the sense of telling us what we need to know and what we should believe and how we should respond to things, what we want to do is to look at what God's Word says and respond according to His Word. And so that's what we're doing and, and what we've been going through, looking at these marks of a true Christian uh, we start out you know, in verse 9 talking about genuine love. And the word for love here in that particular phrase, genuine love, is agape. 
That's only love available to us through God. Through our being in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Through believing with our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised Him from the dead. He's our Lord. And, and so, God's agape love, it's an unconditional love when it's offered. And so we're to have a genuine, unconditional love. And that's how we'll get into this uh, discussion about ultimately uh, loving your enemies and this type of thing. It's, it's, how is that possible? It's possible because of God's working through us. He's changing the way we think. He's transforming us. He's renewing our minds. This genuine love hates evil. And the definition of evil is anything that comes against God in any way. Anything that's anti-God, if you will. Anything that's anti-biblical is of the world, uh, John tells us, and is therefore of the, has the spirit of the Antichrist. First John in chapter 4 talks about that. And he says the spirit of the Antichrist is already with us. We don't need one person called an Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. And, and so this idea of hating what is evil. We, and in the process of this, this genuine love that's developing in us, we are to, to be uh, showing a familial, a family love one for another. And for each other within the body of Christ, within the church, we are to show this brotherly love, it's called, but it's a brother and sister relationship, uh, uh, and, and, and it's uh, a family relationship. And we are to honor each other. We are to put one before, you know, you put others before yourself. Uh, I, I think I've preached it before, and here is an I'm third attitude. God is first. You are second. I am third. And so I put you ahead of myself. We're all to take that same attitude. Can you imagine what an awesome world it would be if people would have that attitude? As uh, almost stumbling over each other, trying to minister to the other person. And, and, and it would be, it, it's such a, a way of looking at things. And it has to be, it's a change of the way we think. Honor one another. Be zealous and fervent. In serving the Lord. Be zealous and fervent in serving the Lord. And this word for serving the Lord is the idea of being a, uh, a slave to the Lord. Uh, the word servant here is the, actually is the word bond slave. Bond servant. Someone that is given over to a lifetime of service. Uh, he's been bought, in a sense, and and he's been paid. Well, what? How were we purchased? Through the blood of Christ and given salvation. We are now God's bond servant. Our desire is to serve Him, and to serve Him above all others. We're also told in in verse twelve of of, of chapter twelve to be patient in tough situations, and to have an attitude of prayer. Okay, so, we've covered these things and now we're moving into verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's our verse for today. Continue to, uh, 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This idea of contribute is, is a sharing of our resources. In other words, whatever we have, we open it up in such a way as to be able to meet the needs of other believers. And so sharing our resources, to give of our resources. The idea to contribute is to give uh, of our resources. And, and the purpose, again, is to, to meet the needs, the necessities it is, is, is implied here. The needs, the necessities. It's not the frivolous things. Oh, I wish I had. Oh, I'll run out and get that for you. You know, that, that, that might be a really nice thing that you want to do. And that's, that's not an, I'm not objecting to saying that's the wrong thing to do. But when it comes down to it, it's the idea that we see the physical needs that people have. What are some of the physical needs that you would think of that, that would come into this category? Food. Okay. Uh, we have a food bank here in town that, that gives to the homeless and, and the needy. And, and so there's an opportunity to, to minister to the, to the needs, uh, to the necessities. Clothing. We have that issue as well. Uh, I think of the rescue mission is how many people that they feed and clothe and, and house at night so that they have a, a, a warm place to sleep. Uh, and so these are the ideas of, of, of necessities, meeting the needs of people. And it says of the saints and of the belie- or of the saints, which means the believers. So within the framework, we are to meet the needs. And by the way, there is a priority. We're told to meet the needs of our family. Paul talks about that uh, in in his uh, pastoral epistles, uh, meeting the needs of our family and uh, it, it, taking care of our family, and not just our immediate family, but our extended family. If there's someone within our extended family that has a need, we are to be aware of that and to get together and meet that need. Within the body of Christ, as the family of God, we see someone that has a need, we are to get together and do what we can to meet that need. We call it benevolence. We have a fund called the Benevolence Fund. It's there to meet the needs of the body of, uh, and, and the family of Christ. The family of God. And, and so, uh, this idea of, of meeting the needs of believers. By the way, it's not limited there though. We, we are told in other places very clearly that if we see a need and we have the means to meet it, and God puts us in, within the, uh, the proximity of this need, and we do nothing, we're in the wrong. So, this has to do with ministering to uh, the homeless. Uh, one of the ways we do that here is in, in our giving through the rescue mission. Now, are all the people at the rescue mission that come in there believers? No, so that's, it's a, it goes beyond of just ministering to the saints. It's ministering to the saints, but it's also ministering to those around us in need. I think of, of uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine, who uh, on his way to work, 
he his parking lot was uh, he parked and in fact in a in a in a parking lot so that he'd have to walk a ways to to work just to get some exercise and and uh, he he started walking past this person that was sitting there and and the person was not you know sitting there saying give me or or uh, having a an open hat or something like this he was just sitting there very clearly homeless though and uh so my friend asked him do you have any do you have any food well no he said when's the last time you ate well, a couple of days ago now somebody says he could have been lying it's not for us to worry about that my friend thought about it he'd just eaten a nice breakfast he was on the way to work he had a sack lunch because I can go without a lunch for one day. He handed him his lunch. It turned out that that guy was staying somewhere near that spot. And, and uh, he was sitting there every, every day. And so uh, my friend started making two lunches. One for him and one for... And sometimes he'd even go back and, and, and eat with him. And eventually got him to go to the rescue mission and, and other uh, ministering to him. So, you know, we're called to do this. Now, I, I want to emphasize, yes, we are to be very, very careful when we choose to do this. Ladies, you shouldn't be ministering to men uh, uh, in that same capacity. And, and men, you really shouldn't be ministering to women in that same capacity. Uh, it's, it's, but what it is a call for is to find out a way to minister to those that are homeless and needy. That's all I'm saying. And it can be done through the, you know, the Salvation Army has, has is, is active in this. The rescue mission is active in this. And so we need to, to be thinking in terms of how we can minister to them. You, by your giving here at church, minister to those needs. Because we give to those needs through our congregation. Oh, by the way, the offering box is on the wall over here. I forgot to mention that. Uh, that's how we are taking our offering at this point. And so uh, there's uh, envelopes uh, on the side of the box, and then there's envelopes and a pin up here as well. So, you know, this idea of ministering to the needs that are around us. And then it says to pursue or, or to seek to show hospitality. And this idea of seek is to pursue. It's an active run after, in a sense, to, to show hospitality. And uh, it's an interesting word, hospitality. In, in the Greek, it, it, it uses one of the words uh, that's, that's used for love. I'm not going to go into the details of it. It's not agape or phileo, but it's, it's, it's a, another word that's used. And, and uh, so it's the idea of being fond of strangers. Being ready to show a kindness to strangers. Okay? But hospitality goes beyond that. That's where it, its core is. But hospitality basically is making others feel at home. Showing kindness in such a way that it makes people feel wanted. Cared for. And I've, I've seen people uh, 
go through what I, I would say, uh, you know, where God has put him in a position. And I, I think you need to be called to do this, but they, where they'll actually take somebody from church that shows up that's homeless and take them home and, and put them up for a while and try to see if they can't help them get settled and get, get up back on their feet. I'm suggesting to you that that's something you do if you know that know that you know that God has put you in that position and, and called you to do that. But the idea is is that nothing less we have the opportunity to minister to them here. We have food packets that we can give to them to to help them, and the opportunity to say, "I would gladly drive you to the rescue mission or to the the kitchen in the Salvation Army if that would help you." Showing hospitality is, again, the desire to meet the needs of people. Now, normally we think of hospitality as opening up your home, and that is part of it. Opening up your home in such a way that people come to visit you or come to your house and they feel right at home. And, and some of you know, you know those homes. I, I, for me, I, I think, of, of course, you'd say it would be natural for me because it was my aunt and my uncle. Uh, but but they had people coming all the time, and you you walk through the the door and it was just here have a cup of coffee have a seat at the and it wasn't at the, you didn't go around sit in a formal living room you sat at the at the kitchen table you, you you just became part of the family if you were visiting there you felt right at home by the way all of this that I'm sharing with you should be happening here in this facility as well. A, a, a welcoming attitude when people come and visit. And I see this congregation is, is good at that. I think of Phil and Arlene Scriver. I, I, I miss them so. And, and, and one of the things that, the, that they were uh, faithful in was to have a visitor and they would invite them to their house or out to, to lunch after church. I don't know how many of you have been to their home out there because they invited you, uh, but but uh, they 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 were just it was something that they felt you know that this was something God you could use them for something that they could do, and and so they were showing hospitality, and not everybody that they showed this hospitality to were believers. Some of them were non-believers. And a gentleness, a kindness, a welcoming attitude. So that somebody felt, you know, they walk through the door and, and somebody greets them. And, and that's why Phil made such a great greeter at the door. He had that gift. And you notice that all the, the little kids couldn't wait to get to church to do what? To run up and hug Phil. You know, he was just, it was just a, 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 a person that that had that gift of hospitality. So here we are. We're to contribute to the sharing of our resources, to give of our resources uh, to those who are in need, and, and, and then we are to show hospitality. And First Peter tells us to, to uh, show hospitality without grumbling. So if, if, if it's a drudgery... It doesn't say don't do it, but, but the attitude is, is that we should be able to do it with joy, without grumbling. So, again, this attitude. Of, uh, and this is not natural. 
This is the transformed, renewed mind. Because we are by nature in the flesh, what? Selfish. Me first. Pure and simple. And so, this is saying, no. You're putting the other person ahead of yourself. Hebrews says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have, uh, have actually entertained angels without knowing it. Now, I have no idea if I've ever entertained an angel. And people are going to say, that's, that's kind of a weird thought. But the bottom line is, the Scripture talks about the angels moving among the people of, uh, in, in, in the world uh, to minister. They are ministering spirits to those of us in the church and, and coming alongside. Who knows? Any one of us could have been ministered to. All of us could have been ministered to at some point, at some time, by an angel. It's a possibility. But it says also show kindness in such a way that you minister to strangers, you may actually end up ministering to an angel. It's just the, the Scripture is just letting us know God, God's world is a different place. I'm going to suggest to you that people go to church where they feel comfortable before convenience. And what I'm saying is people will travel twice the distance to a church that they could attend theologically and and agree with. They'll go twice the distance to be at a church where they feel comfortable, where they feel welcomed where they sense the gift of hospitality working in the congregation. Do not neglect to show hospitality. In the Old Testament, we were, we were, it's given to us to, to uh, show, it's shown as a principle that the, the is, is the Hebrew people were to show as well in a sense of taking care of people who had needs. Now, you've got to go back to the Old Testament times and, and especially uh, people that are traveling. How did they travel? Normally, on foot. If they were fortunate enough to be in a, in a higher income bracket, they might travel on a, with a donkey or, or with a horse. But generally, most people traveled on foot. And it was, you know, overnight places, you know, places, long distances. And uh, so, listen to this. It uh, uh, comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field, and you forget a sheaf in the field, in other words, a place where you've bundled up whatever it is you're harvesting, uh, and, you, and you've left some in the field, you shall not... Go back to get it. Now you might say, well, that's kind of wasteful, you know. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Uh, in other words, the people that are traveling, the people who are, are without means, they know that they can come to, your, to the fields of the Hebrew people and find that the fields have not been 
overpicked. In fact, the idea was basically you go through once and pick and the rest of it stays. So if some of it becomes ripe late, it's there for the sojourner. It's there for the people that are poor. It's there for the people. And the idea was gleaning the fields. And you read about that in the Bible of different uh, biblical characters that were in the fields gleaning. What they were doing was picking up the, the leftovers of the harvest. And they could survive on that. And so God is, is, is setting the stage here of this idea of, of, of blessing and taking care of people. Uh, he said also, when you beat your olive trees, uh, that you know you knock the olive trees for the olives to come, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. God says that we as His people are to provide for those around us in need. It's pretty just basically a biblical characteristic of God. He says this is who we are. If we are following after Him, we need to have this characteristic of being sharing, giving, hospitable, caring about the needs of others. And in as much as possible, Meeting the needs of others around you. It comes back to that picture where I see somebody in need, I have the means within my pocket to meet that need, and I choose not to. That's not a Christian attitude. It's not a Christian character. It's not the character of a renewed mind, uh, a transformed person. It's, it's a, a character trait of a person who says, that's mine. I wrote here in my notes, this idea of hospitality to giving to the needs of, the, of, of the, the saints requires a change in how we view our possessions. We are so clocked in on this idea that, oh, this is mine. I earned it. I bought it. It's mine. Keep that in the back of your head for a moment now and listen in this. We, as believers in Christ, we say we're in the world, but not of it. Therefore, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Even though the kingdom of God is not fully here with us yet, and all the things that go with us, we are already citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, I've got to be careful how I do this, because... We are so sensitive about our freedoms and rights within the framework of our of our uh, nation and what we have. And by the way, don't get it wrong. I am so blessed by the fact that we live in this nation and we have the freedoms and rights that we have. Okay? But, as Christians, we're not of this world. We're in it, but not of it. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are in a monarchy. 
We are in a, an absolute monarchy where there is one sovereign period. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, which every knee will ultimately bow to. He is our King. Jesus Christ is our King. We are in a monarchy. We serve God. We are a slave of God. And we accept and choose His sovereignty. His ownership of us. We have chosen to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that He is the Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. I have chosen to believe. And so as a result, I'm putting myself under the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Therefore, all that we have, all that we are, is at His disposal. Psalm 24 says He owns, the the world is His, basically. And he, He is sovereign over all things and everything within the framework of the world is His. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Jesus has just been talking about giving to the needy, the Lord's Prayer, fasting, as He's preaching the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Now, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, that takes a transformation. That takes a renewing of our mind. The work of the Holy Spirit in us because that's not the natural way we think. We think in terms of gathering and, and holding on to. We'll, we'll gather and hold on to more than we need. Uh, and, and, and we kind of look at it and say, it's mine. And yet we've already established that it belongs to the Lord. Again, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all that fills it. We are to yield all our possessions to the authority of Christ and then manage them as He leads us, as He guides us. We are told... That we are to work hard, so that it, but and 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 to to make a living. But the idea uh, that Scripture shows to working hard is so that we can contribute to the work of the church, to the work of the Lord. And again, this idea is that we are to provide for our families. We are to provide for those in need. We are to provide for the fellowship uh, in the church. We are to f- provide as God calls you to. And it might be a neighbor, it might be a person on the street, 
It, it, it might be a family member out of the area, but God puts it in our hearts to provide. And so I was looking at, at, at a, list, a number of things. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, Randy Alcorn. Uh, he has a book uh, that is uh, talks about our treasure in, 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 in heaven. And uh, he comments, he says, When Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not just because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. I thought, wait a minute. Either it leaves us while we are alive, or we leave it when we die. No exceptions. So ask, as God prospers me more, do I look for ways to give more or to spend more? I've got more money in my pocket than I normally have. Is my, my attitude to go out and say, oh, I can have something that I don't need? <laughs> uh, just uh, fulfilling a want? Or, or am I to give more? Has God given me a, an ability to provide for somebody or through, uh, for something? Is my aim to collect more stuff here or to invest in that which lasts for eternity? Uh, there's a pastor in Flagstaff. Uh, it's uh, in, in fact, uh, the name of the church is Flagstaff Christian Fellowship. And uh, his name is Steve Cole. And he has a few comments on this. He says, yield all your possessions to the Lord. Uh, and again, he uses the same idea. We're to manage them in light of His kingdom purposes. Work hard. Provide for your family and in, in the needs of others around you. Fight against greed. The parable of the rich fool. You know, oh, I, I, I'm going to build another barn to hold my stuff. You know, uh, be on your guard against. Uh, Jesus says, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. When it's all said and done, the abundance of what you and the, what it basically says is. You know the old story. Where's the U-Haul behind the hearse? It, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it's not there because you can't take it with you. By the way, there, I, I, I read a story of a guy who was buried in his ranch in his Cadillac. Got news for him. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he ain't driving it anywhere. <laughs> you know, but it was his car. He loved his car. You know, we can't take it with us. What's the opposite of greed? <laughs> Content. Hebrews tells us in chapter 13 that we are to be content in what we have. And then Steve Cole writes that we are to give faithfully, to give regularly, and to give generously. How much? I don't know how many times over the years I've been asked, how much are you supposed to give? Tithe? 10%? You know, like the Old Testament? By the way, if you want to go to the Old Testament giving, it's a lot more than a tithe. Because when you add all of their offerings that they had to bring together in reference to, to the, through the year and the various ceremonies and the various uh, feasts and, and festivals, 
it was substantially more than 10%. So if you want to use an Old Testament principle, go for it. You know, because you're going to be giving far more. But the idea of a tithe is foundational. Somebody says, well, it's, it's not required in the New Testament. What I'm going to say is, is it's, it was something that Abraham did with Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ, a picture of Christ at least, if it wasn't Christ himself. I believe it was Christ. He gave him a tenth of what he had. There was no law commanding that. It was a principle. Okay? And I believe that that principle is in effect to this day. A tithe. But the New Testament principle actually is, I believe, is to strive to the tithe. And, and, and some people say, well, I'm I really not in a position where I can do that right now. Then set an amount that you can do and be faithful with it. I'm convinced that God will continue to open the door to improve that situation to, uh, of giving. So I put in here, strive to tithe. Remembering as the Lord prospers you more, seek to give more. That's another thing that this is in in Steve Cole's article. As the Lord prospers you more, seek to give more. Where do you give? The local fellowship is your first stop. Being a part of a local fellowship, supporting it, uh, and, and supporting its ministries. Because through this ministry here, you are giving into world missions, you're giving to Osaka, Japan, you're, you're going up into Mongolia, uh, you're, you're, you're helping a hospital and school system in, in the Caribbean. Uh, there's a number of things that your giving goes to. And, and we have been able to give substantially over the years because of the generosity of this congregation. Missions. Maybe some of you, there's a mission that you give to that we're not a part of and, and faithfully give to that. That's awesome. Benevolence. Giving to the, the rescue mission. Crisis pregnancy center. Places that are ministering to other people. Giving to, uh, to them. Uh, I put down here, adopt a child. There's a number of organizations where you can adopt a child and support them. Clear on through college if, if you can. Christian school here in town. Maybe a Christian college that you want to support. Always keeping in mind ministering to your own extended family. And then I think of, of, of ending this with just this thought because I, I, I really need to, to bring this to a close. And, and that's what Paul wrote to, to the Corinthians in second, second Corinthians. God loves a what? Cheerful giver. I've had somebody tell me then, well, that means if I can't be happy about it, I don't have to give. That's not the way it works. What it, what it is, is that as you give, ask God to 
transform your mind so that it becomes something you find joy in. That's the whole idea is that you find joy that you can share what God has blessed you with with others and help meet their needs. All of this is because of God's generosity to us. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ and God raised Him from the dead and you shall be saved. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus literally surrendered everything on our behalf at the cross. We sang a song this morning already. I surrender all. That's what we're called to do. I surrender all to Jesus. To the work of the Lord. To the work of the kingdom of God. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. I have a king in Jesus Christ. And He is the one I serve. Uh, do, uh, let's go ahead and sing our, our communion song together. And uh, what I would like to do is, uh, again, we come forward and uh, share uh, the communion by picking it up up here in the front. And uh, uh, it's uh, on this side is the, the, the cup with the bread and the juice. There's two cups and the other side is the packets. And uh, so feel free to, to come up while we sing and uh, we'll share communion together in a moment. was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you
the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose, and let my song forever be my only boast is you. First Corinthians. Paul wrote to them about the Lord's Supper. They had been abusing it, uh, making it a, a feast of, of gluttony and drunkenness and, and a time of, of it wasn't meant to be. What this time is for is to remember what Christ has done for us. It's very simple and very basic. And, and Paul reminds them of that in these words. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed uh, took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Share the bread. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is now the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Father, again we come thanking You. Resting with the confidence that You have provided all that we need in order to be saved, to have eternal life. As we rest in Your sacrifice, it is done for us. I think of the words on the cross, it is finished. It is complete. There's nothing left to add to it. Thank You, Lord. We share these emblems this morning to remind us that You came in the flesh. You lived among us. You walked among us. You went to the cross in the flesh. The cup reminds us that You, on that cross, shed Your blood. Gave Your life. 
You were buried. And then on the third day, the resurrection. Physical, bodily resurrection. To show us that you are now alive and that death had been conquered. And that as we rest in you, again we come back to that picture, no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Thank you. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we sing our closing song, would you stand please? And uh, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we want to share in some snacks. Uh, we, we have some things in the back that you can have. And uh, again, just Lord bless. Thank you for being here today. Lord bless. Thank you for being here this morning.